Making your life count. Leaving a legacy. Discovering your purpose. We all want that, don't we? You know, perhaps there's no greater tragedy than that of an unrealized potential life. No greater sting than maybe the regret of missed opportunities of a person looking back at their life saying, woulda, coulda, shoulda. You see, there's a deep-seated need in each and every one of us, created in God's image, that we, we want to make a difference. We want to be significant. We want to we wanna make an impact. Each of us wants to make our life count. The place to start in making our lives count is quite simply this. Understanding that each one of us will give an account someday for the things we've said and done or the things we haven't said or done. You see, our lives are a gift from God and, and there's many blessings in that, but there also comes responsibility. And so to make our lives count, we must have the big picture in mind. We need to have God's perspective on what, what makes up for a, a significant life that makes a difference. On this graduation uh, Sunday, I thought we're going to be dealing with that theme. I think it's applicable not just for the graduates, but also for all of us. So I'm going to encourage you to take a moment and turn with me in your Bibles, the passages listed in your bulletin, Matthew 25. It's a parable of Jesus, starting at verse 14. will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, You entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then (laughs) you should have put your money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received back it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents for whoever for everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, Jesus said a lot of hard things in the Gospels when he walked this earth. Things like, if you want to keep your life, you need to lose it. He said things like, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your right arm or hand causes you to sin, cut it off. He said things like, 
if you have lust in your heart towards another person, you've committed adultery with them. He says things like, if you have rage or anger in your heart towards another, you've committed murder. Hard things to hear. And this parable that we've just read also, for my money, is pretty hard to hear as well. When I first read it, my, my thinking is, isn't the master in this story, isn't he a little bit harsh? I mean, the servant with the one talent didn't increase what he had been given. Yes, that's true, but he, he didn't lose it. He basically treaded water, right? He kind of coasted, didn't do anything with what he'd been given. Not ideal, but is it so terrible that, that he should have the one talent taken from him and then be thrown into the darkness as a prisoner of remorse and guilt and regret? I mean, my goodness, he didn't run around and spend his talent on loose living. He didn't squander it away. He didn't use it to oppose the things of God. He didn't use it to, to take advantage of other people. He didn't, you know, granted he wasn't the wisest investor, but he didn't even lose the principle, right? Until the master returned. So what does this have to do with how we can make our lives count? Well, first, before we do that, let's lift out an important point. From this parable. Look at the master's response to the servants with five and two talents. When they bring their talents to the master, <laughs> which their talents have been doubled now, he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of, of many things. Now, it's true spiritually, just like we see it's true in virtually every other area of life. If we want to succeed, if we want more responsibility, if we want to advance, we must be faithful in a few things, the, the little things. Spiritually speaking, when we treat others with kindness and when we pray faithfully and when we apply God's word without reservation, when we give sacrificially, when we offer grace and not judgment, when we hold our tongue, when we turn the other cheek, when we do the right thing over and over, the thing that Jesus would do, we're faithful in a few things and little things which then accumulate and make our lives count for eternity. Unfortunately, we often can get things reversed. We can tend to think that to really have an impact, to make a difference, to leave a mark in this world, that we have to have some big, grand gesture, a heroic sacrifice, uh, giving everything we have away, memorizing the Bible cover to cover, bringing our whole neighborhood to Christ. Those aren't wrong things. And certainly big gestures have their place and can and do make a big impact, but it's faithfulness in a few things, and the little things on a daily basis that make our lives count. So just how we do we make the most of the lives that we've been given? Well, the first step is to start at the very start. Surrender our lives to Jesus. This is where we must start. It's key. Everything is sourced in our personal relationship with Christ. It's what the Apostle Paul calls being in Christ. Romans 12.1 describes surrendering to Christ as an act of worship. Therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. What do you think of when you see a, a white flag raised? You think of what? Surrender, right? Somebody's surrendering. When you wave a white flag, you're, you're basically saying, I give up. You acknowledge that you're at the end of your rope. You're conceding to the other side. You're putting yourself under the control, right, of the other side. 
In the military realm, sometimes armies will negotiate a, a, a surrender, right? And a conditional surrender where they get to dictate some of the terms of what's going to happen to them after they surrender. That's not how it works with God. We, we can't come to God with conditional surrender. Say, God, I'll give you my marriage and my kids, but not my business or vice versa. We can't say, God, I'll give you this part of my life, but I really want to maintain, retain control in this part of my life. God asks us for an unconditional surrender, a complete trust in his care and love for us. He's asking us to put ourselves under his command and to follow his commands completely, believing and trusting that he has our best interests in heart. So that's where we need to start. If we want to make our lives count, we need to begin with surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10.25 says this, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day, the day referring to Christ's return, as you see the day approaching. So the second step is to surround yourself with people who love and follow Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we should exclude those who don't share our faith or beliefs. That would be wrong. The Bible tells us that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. We are to share Christ and our faith with others, uh, to serve others in Jesus' name. But the primary people, the primary influences, influencers in our lives should be people who passionately and faithfully follow Jesus Christ. You know, there's always been a, a classic debate about the role that environment and genetics have shown at different times in the development of a human being. You know, the whole question, which is most definitive, nurture or nature? And, and different studies have shown at different times that both have a profound impact. But that proper nurturing can indeed, in fact, overcome a difficult personal nature. Theologically, the Bible tells us that we all have a difficult personal nature. It's called the sin nature. We all have a tendency to want to do things our own way and often are inclined to try and leave God out of the mix. We need to be aware of this. And we all struggle with that at times. But we're also told that with Jesus at the center of our lives, that we can be somebody different. We don't have to remain under the control of bad habits or, or bad patterns or sinful desires, things that cause us to become somebody that we really don't want to become. We can be transformed. That's the good news. But to see that happen, we must allow God to nurture in us his will, his ways, his thoughts, his values, his perspective, his very life into our lives. And he does this through the Bible, certainly, and he does this through his Holy Spirit, certainly. But it's also critical that we allow God to speak to us through others who love and obey Jesus Christ. What is needed are people who will bring out the best in us. People who will challenge you, who will, who will help you when you fall, who will hold you accountable, who will help you, encourage you to be the person you've been created to be. So the second step is surround yourself with people who love Jesus Christ. First John chapter 2 Verses 5 and 6 lead us to our next step. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. We are to spend our lives becoming like Jesus. We are created to mature into the likeness of Jesus Christ. God wants to make in us, to build in us, his character, his attitudes, his values, his priorities. He wants us, as we walk through this life, to see others as Jesus does and did. To think and feel and act as Jesus does and did. 
See, God is far more interested in who we are and who we're becoming than what we do for a living. Now, he's, 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 he's interested in that, too. You know, choosing a career, where you work, where you go to school, even the relationships you have are important to God and they're important to us. But they are secondary. They are secondary to the character that is being developed in our lives. At the end of our lives, no matter how many years we have, at the end of our lives, God will not be looking primarily at the size of our bank accounts or the success of our careers or even the success of our children. God will be looking for growth in Christ-likeness, character, his values, his priorities. So if we want to make our lives count, we are to spend our lives becoming like Jesus. Fourthly, we are to serve others as only we can. Verse 15 of Matthew 25 says, To one he gave five talents of money, another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Each according to his ability. In other words, God has created each one of us with unique talents, abilities, personality, desires, skills, and experiences. There is nobody else like you. You are unique And God every day gives us opportunities, God-ordained appointments, to make a difference as only we can. To truly make our lives count, we are to look for those opportunities and serve as only we can. To bring who God has made us uniquely to, to to whatever situation or people that we encounter. Now in Jesus' parable here in Matthew 25, no one received more or less than he or she could handle. The, The master doesn't judge the servant with one talent because he didn't have five talent output. He held him accountable because of what he didn't do was what he had been given. And so when the servant fails in his assignment, his excuse could not be that he was overwhelmed. Failure could only come from laziness or apathy or, or even opposition or hatred towards the master. The issue is not how much we have, but how well we use what we do have. Finally and fifthly, we, if we want to make our lives count, we are to seek to bring Jesus Christ to the world around us, to the people around us. A few years back, there was a, a, a Mercedes-Benz TV commercial, and it shows one of their cars colliding with a cement wall during a safety test. And you, you hear a voiceover, a spokesman for the company is asked a question. He's asked, why don't you enforce the patent that you have on the Mercedes-Benz energy-absorbing car body, which evidently was being copied by other car manufacturers because of its success? And the spokesman replied matter-of-factly. He says, because some things in life are too important not to share with the world. You know, we have been given the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And we've been given the gift of help and strength for times of trial. We've been given the gift of comfort for times of sorrow and grief. We've been given the gift of guidance for times of decision and confusion. We've been given the gift of of forgiveness when we feel guilty and ashamed. There are some things much, much too important not to share with the world. Jesus' last words on earth confirm this. Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The best way to make a difference in this world, to make our lives count, to leave an impact, is to use the lives that we've been given 
to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people because there are some things in life that are too important not to share with the world. Randy Alcorn, a Christian author, wrote the following. He says, imagine that you're living in South Carolina in the year 1864. You see the tide of the Civil War turning north. You know that ultimately the Confederate cause is lost. And you find yourself sitting on thousands and thousands of Confederate dollars. You know that the currency that's valued in your world in the South will in the near future be worthless. What do you do? Well, the wise person would keep just enough to take care of his family until the war was over. But he would be frantically exchanging most of his money for union money because he knows that's what will be needed in the post-war world. The takeaway for us is the world we live in is not going to last. And the currency that is valued in this world will someday soon be worthless in the world to come. And the wise person, the faithful person, the person who wants his or her life to count, not just in this life, but in the next, will invest in the things of God. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Surround yourself with people who love and follow Jesus Christ. Serve others as only you can, as you are created to serve. And seek to bring Jesus Christ to the world around you because there are some things that are just too important to keep to ourselves to not share with the world. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for your word. We thank you especially today for this parable. <laughs> there are some, some things that kind of unsettle us and are startling to hear and to read. But Lord, we know that they're true. Life is a gift you give us, each one of us. We do not know the number of our days, but you give us opportunities and experiences and talents and abilities. Uh, and, and they're a gift for us to use and to enjoy but they're to be used for the benefit of others, to be used for the benefit of your kingdom and your things. And so, Lord, help each one of us here, regardless of where we are in life, from this day forward to, to surround ourselves with people who love Jesus, to surrender our lives to Jesus, to serve others as, as we've been created to serve, to invest in your kingdom and to share Jesus Christ with others. Help us, Lord to make our lives count, and, and may we hear at the end of those lives, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my kingdom. Amen.